All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? I hope you enjoyed our last podcast. We're a little bit excited and a little bit angry and a little bit frustrated and all the above, and we'll hope to keep bringing it to you every day. Make sure to go and also follow the Locked on Gators handle on Twitter, at Locked on Gators. You can also find all of our written work at sportsillustratedallgators.com. And if you want to find that on Twitter, that's at SI underscore all Gators. Today we got to talk to a couple of different coaches, uh, that being Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson, and some players at the Monday press conferences. We're going to have some audio for, for you guys from those today, as well as some quotes what we got to hear and learn from the players and the coaches when we talk to them, uh, including the running back rotation, uh, what we've learned after Naquan Wright had a big day against Texas A&M, what Florida can do with their quarterback run package and what it's like to not have Emory Jones playing as he was officially unavailable, listed as such for the first time this past weekend. He also didn't play the week before, but we all know that that was a huge conspiracy theory type of thing. And then we also had Zach Carter. He he came on and he talked to us about moving inside into the interior, uh, the expectations for himself moving forward. So plenty to talk about from what we heard from these guys. We'll break it down one by one, starting with the running back group. Um, mm-hmm. Similar area, tough area. We haven't really talked um, to him that much. What kind of player is he? And, and he's obviously had to wait his time, but made an impact on the game Saturday. What well, is, you know, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, since he's been here, uh, but takes care of his business every day, you know, uh, very quiet, not the loudest guy out there, extremely, extremely intelligent football player. Uh, and I think you can see in that, you know, not just with his talent, but the plays that he makes, his reads, his patience running the ball, understanding the system, how to run routes. He's got great hands coming out of the backfield, um, you know, and I, and I think, you know, part of it gets to, I think everybody, as, as you guys are starting to see, Maybe what we see more every day at practice of, hey, why are we rotating the backs? Why isn't one back getting all the touches or all the carries? Because I think we have several guys that can contribute and do different things and bring little different styles to the game um, that work hard and deserve those touches. And I also think when you put different people in, um, plays, plays hit a little differently. I always say that. Plays hit a little differently depending on what backs are in the game. So we're not running different plays, but they kind of fit and hit differently. And, and the same with the guys running routes and how defenses want to match up with those people are different. So um, the ability that we have multiple backs that can come in and do slightly different things, but all of them play at a high level, puts pressure on the defense. And, and Naquan, uh, I know with not just his talent, but his intelligence really puts pressure on defenses. So after seeing him in some action in the passing game, Naquan Wright had his breakthrough game, it seemed like, against the Aggies. Like I said, we we saw one big catch against Ole Miss. Otherwise, I believe it was a negative rushing day for him. He did some small things against South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, but nothing that really stood out. But it was this weekend. He had back-to-back 10-plus yard runs. Uh, He had his first career touchdown. It It was a good day for him, man. I think he cemented himself into this backfield. Yeah, I, I really think that he was able to bring it and become part of the now, I guess, three-headed monster at running back that these guys have. I, I guess Dan Mullen wants to 
make sure that his offense can stay a little bit balanced, but create a little bit of off balance for the opposing defense. When Dan Mullen, Mullen spoke to us today, he, or I guess it was on Monday, he says that, you know, yeah, these plays are going to all be the same for each running back, but they all bring a little bit of a different element. And I believe Naquan showed a lot on that last, I think it was the second to last drive in the second quarter. And he was able to run the football, I believe, five times for 26 yards and a touchdown and become the bell cow, at least for that one drive. And I think that that's something that he's going to be able to bring or provide for the Gators moving forward. They're not going to have to rely on Damian Pierce every time. You know, they're not going to have to put Malik Davis in there to run and, and be the bell cow. We're going to talk about Davis in a little bit, but it's going to be interesting to see. You know, Naquan, Brian Johnson said he's a very talented guy. He's has a lot of versatility, can run between the tackles, run inside, run outside, make plays in the passing game. It just seems like they enjoy his presence at running back. And, you know, for a redshirt freshman, and he really did look good on Saturday. They said they'll come in, they'll run inside zone, and all three of the guys, they can run the same play. They're just all going to do it a bit differently. With that being said, it, it, looking at these three guys, Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, and Naquan Wright, Demetrius, if there was one word to describe their playing style for each guy, what would it be? And then after that, we can go into exactly why we would choose that word. Um, I guess for Pierce, I would say bruising. You know, he's a guy that it's, it's, it's interesting to see how physical he is in between the tackles for for right, I would probably say balanced. He's able to provide a couple things. And Malik Davis, I would probably have to say maybe nimble. And there's a little bit of a variety of reasons why I would say that. But what do you think, Zach? Uh, for right, I'm thinking he's shifty. I mean, you just you can see the way that he's able to move and make guys miss. Pierce, same thing as you. I was thinking bruiser or physical. Davis, I'm thinking receiver. Yeah, uh, you know, like he had a decent start as a rusher, but I truly think his role in this offense is to be a receiver. Maybe you can start getting creative with him, but we've just seen him be so much more efficient when he's playing, you know, through the air rather than on the ground. Yeah, and and, and I would say nimble for for Davis because of his receiving ability. He's able to be a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield and then you know turn it up and and, and make some plays and. He's not going to make a lot of guys miss, but but the ones that he does, it, it, it's impactful. You know, we saw it even in week one. He had that run, that, that longish run where he just cut it back inside, and there he goes. You know, it, it's just a, a little bit of that where he's able to balance himself and get up the field quickly. You know, he, he's had a few interesting catches already in this offense, and I think that eventually they're going to try to get him the ball on third downs a little bit more and – just add another element for Kyle Trask, another person that he can throw throw the football to, especially if you have a guy like Pitts who might not play every down. You can't rely on him every single time. You got to go to that check down sometimes. You know, the guys aren't going to be running open every single week, although the SEC has kind of, you know, proven me wrong lately. But we'll, we'll see what they do moving forward. Demetrius, they have talked about needing to improve in the fourth quarter offensively. Uh, cutting down on mistakes like the Malik Davis fumble that we saw um, against Texas A&M. 
Kyle Trask having two mistakes against South Carolina the week before. They say they get rid of those, and they truly think they can score on every drive. Uh, <laughs> with with that being said, you, we've seen them really just use the running game as a complementary piece to their passing game. They love to attack through the air. And I wouldn't say they necessarily abandon the run, but there are stretches of times where they do they do abandon it, for lack of a better word. Do you think that maybe putting more of an emphasis on it just in general? Because they're really, I can't tell you a time where I think they've put a real emphasis on the run game, but maybe to down the stretch like Texas A&M where they just ran the ball at will. Like, you think an emphasis like that could change some of their outcomes near the end of the game? Yeah, and, and you know what? I've, I've been thinking about this, and perhaps they don't need to do it in this way. Obviously, every single play that the offense calls, they want to score a touchdown on. But I believe that they had a long I, – I can't I can't remember exactly how many plays it was, but they had a very long drive last, or this Saturday against Texas A&M. And then after that, you know, several drives, which were like six, seven plays, and they only had 53, or 53 plays on the entire day. And I feel as though perhaps there's something to this where the opposing defense isn't that tired. You know, they're barely on the field now. Obviously, they're giving up a lot of points, giving up a lot of yards. But perhaps there is a, a little bit where you could think maybe they should start running the ball, getting these long drives out, getting the defense tired and 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 off center and, and not able to regroup as quickly as they possibly could. Now, obviously, I'm not saying for them to just straight up not score the football or not score a touchdown if, if they can score it every single play if you want to. But I think there is a little bit of merit of having some balance so that near the end of the game, you can sustain those long drives. You'll be able to have that running game. So far, they've only run Damian Pierce 25 times. I mean, that's in the NFL. Sometimes that's one game. They've run Malik Davis 16 times. Naquan Wright's run 11. You know, six of his 11 carries came last week or this week. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward with the running game. But I, but I do believe there di- there does need to be a little bit of balance added in. They appear to be missing a key factor in the run game. That's quarterback Emory Jones. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about him, what Dan Mullen had to say about him after he's not played in the past two games after these messages. All right, guys, it's time to get real. I'm sick and tired of going to the storefronts looking for a car part, and I can't find it. I don't care how many different cars there are in America right now, and no, I don't want to wait 10 business days to, for you to find my part either. I'm over it. That's why I've started to go on rockauto.com. I don't even have to leave my place. I can just log on, find my part, and get it. On top of having to wait forever at a store, they upcharge you upwards to 30, 50, maybe 100% more than rockauto.com. That's ridiculous. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. rockauto.com. Make your life easier. Make the storefront's life harder. Go get your stuff. rockauto.com. So... Against South Carolina, there were rumors that Emory Jones wouldn't be available after people saw him around campus with a brace on his arm. He didn't end up playing. He didn't end up warming up. He was with the team. He was on the sidelines. So, of course, people had a ton of questions. 
he was not available for Texas A&M. He did not end up making the trip to College Station. He didn't play. So now we know that that's official. And the way that we got extra confirmation was Jacob Copeland's story during the week. You could very clearly tell there was a brace on Jones's right wrist uh, as he was in a video. So we know that he's not a factor, and therefore I asked Dan Mullen today just about what kind of challenges that presents even when you consider Kyle Trask is throwing and they can move the ball through the air at will. But, you know, we've talked about the run game. You know Emory Jones is a huge factor in the run game for Florida when he's available and when they put him on the field. And, you know, Dan Mullen said it. He had alluded to it earlier before then that they know they don't really want to run the quarterback run too much with Kyle Trask, and they are missing it with Emory Jones. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Kyle Trask just isn't a, a running quarterback that plain and simple. I think over, over his career, he's had 47 attempts for 204 yards, according to pro football focus. And not a lot of those are designed and for good reason, you know, he's not a speedy guy. He's not going to make you miss really too often. I know he kind of, you know, brought out his Lamar Jackson skills in week two, but that's not going <laughs> to, that's not going to be a factor every single week. Emory Jones is a guy that can bring it. He he's carried the football 61 times for 348 yards and four touchdowns last last year. So he's a guy that they know that they can rely on to have a little bit of a change of pace. And 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 like you said, Zach, the, the passing game has been working. It's not as if they need Emory to come in and, and save the day in the passing game. But, you know, maybe last week they could have used him on that last drive where, where they fumbled. Maybe they could have random on that one or, or maybe on, on the three and out drive they could have used him a little bit more you know they've they've actually tried to run with Trask crazily enough and and it hasn't worked it just it hasn't worked so they're gonna have to figure out a way to get Emory back however whatever's going on with him and you know in the meantime maybe they'll have somebody else that can do it this is unsubstantiated but if I do recall correctly Last year, Emory Jones and Malik Davis were often paired together a lot on the field. So maybe when Malik did have that fumble on the last drive, Emory Jones was supposed to be in the game there. You could be on to something, and maybe I could be somewhat helping you. Um, you never know. But anyway, yeah, it's obviously missing a lot. And with that being said, you know, Maybe if that does offer a way for them to improve, they should start looking towards Anthony Richardson and getting him on the field. It's a free year. I mean, it's not like it's going to really hurt his eligibility. Uh, What say you? Would you go ahead and put him on the field? I mean, he's a big dude at this point. He seems like he could be SEC ready at his size. And he's known as a dual threat. I mean, he scored, don't quote me on this, I think 41 rushing touchdowns in his high school career. I know it was more than his uh, amount of passing touchdowns. Well, either way, like you said, he's an athletic freak. It, it, it's just a matter of if they're going to actually put him in there. I think he's going to be able to do something. And the the Gators at this point, if they're not going to be without, or if they're going to be without Emory for much longer, they definitely have to, you know, start thinking about putting Anthony Richardson in there. He's a big guy. He's he 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 can take a hit if if it came down to that. So I don't really necessarily think that an injury risk is 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 too much like you said they have a free year this year he doesn't have to redshirt he's basically just a guy that comes in and makes some plays he can play more than four games or however many games it, it is for the redshirt 
And I think that Dan alluded to a little bit of it today uh, to you, Zach. I, I think he said that maybe they'll have three quarterbacks on the field at one time. Yeah, it was something they said they ran in camp. He's got two quarterback, even three quarterback sets. I would, uh, I would love to see how that works out. Yeah, I mean, you 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 asked him if if he was going to put Anthony Richardson at tight end, and you never know. But he, Anthony, he said that, uh, to anyone that isn't looking at his recruiting profile, where he was like six four two oh seven, I'm pretty sure Anthony was listed on UF's roster at like six four two thirty four coming into the yeah. fall camp this year. He is. Yeah, he's he he's six foot four, two hundred thirty four, and I actually talked to his um his quarterbacks coach in in Jacksonville and Denny Thompson actually, and and he was telling me how just how big he got just from year to year. He he's been training him for the past few years, and every single time he saw Anthony, he's like, "When are you gonna stop growing?" You know, and and that's that's the kind of guy that he is. He's a hard worker. He's a, he's an athletic kid, and. and I think that eventually they're going to have to put him in there and at least try it out, maybe draw up something to to get the defense off balance. He can throw it too now. I mean, he played quarterback for a reason. He's playing quarterback for the Gators for a reason. Just try it out and maybe see what happens. He's a raw talent as a passer, that's for sure. There, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of traits there. There's a lot of raw uh, arm power. He's a guy that. You, you salivate over as a quarterback's coach. He's someone that you want to get onto the field eventually, but you don't want to rush it in terms of his passing. It's kind of like with Emory. They didn't want to rush him as a passer, and he ended up redshirting his freshman year. But they still did play him as a rusher, and I certainly think they could do that with Anthony Richardson too. When we come back, we're going to be flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball. We're going to be talking about Zachary Carter after he met with us today. We talk about his transition to defensive tackle, uh, what he likes about playing there, as well as what he's seen from the UF defense, what they can fix up moving forward. I know we talked about that a lot last night. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about it more after these messages. You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently, but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time-consuming. That's why I've started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now, I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low-calorie, low-sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to BuildBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuildBar.com. So this is the first year that Zachary Carter has taken on a full-time role for the Gators on their defensive line. Last year, he ranked third on the team in quarterback pressures, and he played less than half the team's snaps. Granted, he did fill in, and I believe get a couple of starts for Jabari Zuniga when he was hurt. But he was coming in as a strong side end and would play on the interior every now and then at 6'4", 264. And now he's 6'4", 290, he's primarily on the inside, working outside on occasions, just depending on what fronts UF's going with, which I'm still in the middle of my film breakdown. Uh, it's I kind of delayed when I'm going to post it because it's just a lot of stuff that i got to do. But, I mean, he's effective going from the outside and inside. I've seen people on Twitter question about him finishing plays and stuff, and I get where they're coming from, but I think that that's not really understanding that three techniques really do a lot of creating for the guys around them. And 
you know, his pressure count is really high. He's able to do things with just not much coming around him, whether it's a mix of how it's personnel-based and how Todd Grantham's setting up his defensive line and David Turner, uh, or guys just not getting their stuff done uh, compared to how quickly he's able to affect the pocket. Yeah, Zach Carter has been probably the team's most consistent defensive lineman. I know that that's not necessarily saying a lot considering how inconsistent the defensive line is as a whole. But, you know, coming in, like we said last week, he wasn't supposed to be a defensive tackle primarily this year. He was supposed to be on the outside and then come in on third downs and provide that rush. But now he's able to do a lot more. You know, he's bulked up. He looked extremely healthy in his press conference today, and he said that he actually stopped eating steak and pork, and he's starting to eat more chicken, you know, adding protein, bulking up. It's just you can see the difference he's made already in his strength and his physicality and how much he's able to provide to the defense in general. You know, last year he only had, I believe it was, three tackles for loss and at one and a half sacks. This year, he already has four and a half tackles for loss. And it's it, it's it's been interesting to see his transition to where he's at now as a defensive tackle. And yeah, people do talk about maybe he's taking a couple plays off here and there or something. But like Zach said, you know, there's there's different ways to use a three technique and perhaps he's being used in a way to penetrate more than, you know, get, stay home and, and, and try to take down that ball carrier. It just depends on the play. It depends on the play of the linebackers. It depends on the nose tackle. It depends on on a lot of things. It's not necessarily going to look clean every single play. And like Zach alluded to, you have to be able to play better around him in order to get these guys going. He hasn't had Kyrie Campbell, who was supposed to be the starting nose tackle this year. Is Kyrie Campbell going to come back? We keep hearing every single week from Dan Mullen, yeah, you know, we'll try to get him back. We'll try to get him back. You guys know it doesn't look like he's coming back, but we'll we'll just play it by ear, and we'll have to wait and see on game day. Is he on the field? Is he warming up? Is he listed as an unavailable? If if they can get back a guy like Kyrie, I think that that's going to open up a lot of things for, for Zach Carter in general, and I think you guys should expect a lot from him. Yeah, I'm with you. Um I just wanted to clarify, and maybe I heard you wrong when you were listening on the stats. What did did you say? He had one point five sacks and three tackles for loss last year. Is that? Oh, I, I I meant I meant this year. My bad. Yeah, All right, I good. meant this year. Just wanted to clarify. Um, now he didn't have a great performance this past weekend. He didn't create any pressure, but PFF has him at ten pressures for through the first two games. So when they were getting four sacks a game, and they were ranked second in the conference in sacks. He was definitely helping them create at that point, but they didn't get any sacks this past weekend. It just wasn't a good pass rush. So beyond Zach Carter, you know, we want to see more from him in a big game like that. But is who else do you want to see more from in terms of creating a consistent pass rush? I mean, I think that's the answer is pretty obvious. Brenton Cox is a guy that they got last year. He had to sit out a year because of transfer rules. He was a five-star player with the Georgia Bulldogs and – He's supposed to come in here, and he's supposed to be dominant. And I, th- I think we saw a little bit of that, or we actually see a little bit of that each and every week from him. But on a consistent basis, we haven't really seen much of that since that first week against Ole Miss. And and I feel as though perhaps he's maybe trying to do a little bit too much in the pass rush game. Maybe he's not 
staying home as well as he should. Maybe, you know, the opposing offense is just simply going away from him. Regardless, I believe that he's a guy that needs to step it up on big key third downs. He needs to step it up a little bit in the run game. And I'm not trying to rag on him, but it's only because his expectations are so high and his bar is so high, are set so high that you have to be able to expect something like that out of a player like of his caliber. You know, he's not just a, a random guy that's been thrown on the field and you're expecting, you know, maybe he'll get a pass rush every now and then, but this, this is a guy that's wearing number one for a reason. And he's supposed to be the big playmaker on defense. So Brent Cox is a guy that, that I would expect, you know, to have a little bit more in the pass rush department. My last one for you, because we've talked a lot about Florida maybe moving into playing more of their younger players, because why not at this point, right? they got to improve the defense somehow, but they've got obviously isn't working. So with that being said, is there any true freshman on the roster right now that either has played sparingly and you want to see more of or hasn't played at all? that you want to see get onto the field because you think that they could end up offering a decent bit of help. Yeah. Um, The easy answer here would obviously be Dexter, but I'm going to go a different route. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Princely, everybody knows him. I think however you do it, you got it, buddy. Um, Mm. However you pronounce his last name, Princely, he, he needs to be a guy that can come in and, and just, why not at this point? That That's sort of my philosophy. Why not? You have a free year. He's a guy that's big. I think he's around... 6'4", two, 282, I think. 282? Okay. So he's a guy that can set the edge. He can play play the run. And you're not getting enough reps out of these... Or you're getting too many reps out of these big guys who are a little bit older in terms of college, in terms of college age. And, and they're playing a lot of snaps. So you're not able to get a full 60 minutes, especially since, you know, we've seen how many plays the, these guys are, are are on the field for partially due to how explosive the offense is partially due to their own inabilities itself. But, you know, if, if you're going to have a rotation, you need to have an actual rotation. This is the year to do it because it's a free year and Prince Lee could probably provide a heck of a lot more than maybe people don't realize. Yeah, I'm with you. I was going to end up saying Princely as well, just because I think, you know, I, I do like seeing Zach Carter out on the edge, and I think he makes his presence known there, but I, I also love him at three technique at his size, and therefore putting Princely on the edge, especially when they're running their uh, three true 3-4 three, looks with two standing linebackers and three down players, if you've got him playing maybe a four technique or something like that paired with Dexter and Carter on the line. I think you could have a lot of fun with that, with your pass rush. Uh, Otherwise though, I'd probably go with Derek Wingo. He was inactive this past week and otherwise he was wearing pads the week before. He was a guy that was a really instinctual player that we've heard a lot of positive things about from uh, Christian Robinson, the linebackers coach. He's going to be an off ball guy, most likely throughout his UF career here. But I have very little doubt that he could find success uh, as a pass rusher. He's a guy that he he actually played quarterback earlier in his St. Thomas Aquinas career, and he transitioned and he played almost a three-four outside linebacker where he was purely an edge rusher. Occasionally, he'd go back into coverage and do stuff, but he was known for attacking the quarterback, setting the edge against the run. He's not 
very big. He's not going to be a full-time pass rusher. He's probably around the same size as Muamu Diabate, actually, when it's all said and done. They're both super athletic. Uh, he's not a guy that's consistently going to beat SEC tackles, but he's stout, and he's able to use his stoutness to an advantage uh, paired with his athleticism to get around the edge. I think that maybe you could get him onto the field a little bit once he's available. And like we've said with James Houston, how they use him as a pass rusher, maybe find ways to get Derek Bingo used as a pass rusher because it's not something they'll expect to really have. They won't. Other teams won't expect Florida to use that too well considering he's a true freshman, but we've seen him pick things up quickly and get on the field and make an impact in the past. So I wouldn't doubt him at this point. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how how they continue to use James Houston, and, and I think you're right about uh, Wingo, and it, it it's it, it's interesting because they really don't have a reason not to play these guys at this point. There's Damon's talked about the personnel um, changes that he's going to be making this week, and I guess we'll find out on Saturday against LSU what kind of changes they do make. Perhaps this is the week that we're going to be seeing a lot more freshmen or just a maybe a different lineup in general and how they start the game off. There's no, there's no sense in doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result at this point. You know, that's the definition of insanity. And I believe that Todd Grantham, you know, while he has been given a lot of criticism, perhaps, you know, maybe they need to just give him a little bit of a different personnel they need to give him a little bit of a, a different players to fit his scheme properly. Last season, I believe that the Gators' defense wasn't that bad. So it, it, it's one of these things where we're just going to have to wait and see, and, and if they can make the personnel changes that they need to, then perhaps we'll see a different result. Mullen said they adjusted pretty quickly last year to being a pass-heavy team, which he didn't expect them to do. We'll see if Todd Grantham's capable of doing the same thing. Especially this upcoming week against a team that's <laughs> they're averaging more yards per game than Florida is, that being the LSU Tigers. We're going to be doing a lot of previewing. I believe we'll have, whether it's Locked on LSU or my buddy Glenn West from SI, but we'll be doing a lot of previewing that for that game throughout the week on the Locked on Gators podcast. Make sure to not miss a single episode by hitting the subscribe button just about any single podcasting service you can find, you'll be able to find Lockdown Gators. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button just about anywhere. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Gators, at Zach underscore Goodall, and at Demetrius82, and find all of our written work at allgators.com. We will catch up with you guys next time.